You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side studios. Man, it's the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international, covering down on all of the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is, uh, oh, it is Wednesday. It is that day. It is the It is the middle of the week. It is Boomer on the board, and it's Camel Day. Hit it. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is? <laughs> Guess what day it is? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie. Guess what today is? It's hump day. Yes. <laughs> 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 uh, makes me laugh. Um, so yeah, hey, congratulations. You are there. You are halfway to the weekend. I feel like we just said that. Like it just like it was just. I, I feel that way too. Last week. That's okay. It was. It feels like it was just a week ago that we played that. <laughs> anyway, hey, congratulations on getting halfway through your week, and we'll get you all the way through to Friday. Uh, listen, we got a great show, and that is the Boomer on the board. Hey, buddy, how you hey, doing? Hey, doing good. Ready for the show. How was little man's baseball practice? Hey, you know what? He he did well. He got all of his hits and ground balls and got people out, so couldn't be more proud. Okay. Come on. <laughs> All right. Good enough. Uh, hey, we got a whole lot of stuff for you. Four o'clock today, the Grand Council. Every Wednesday, four o'clock, the Grand Council with my brethren, Dale Jackson and Jeff Poor. We get on here and we ping each other with questions and just kind of figure out whether we three conservatives see it all eye to eye. Uh, so yeah, Grand Council, four o'clock. You don't want to miss it. And then there's that triple dipper full of stuff. So hit it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. So, number one, broken windows. You've heard the theme before, the, 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 the theory, if you will, that the broken windows theory of, of policing, that if you allow certain small crimes like broken windows to go unabated, that they turn into bigger crimes. And so you got to stop the little crimes in order to help mitigate the bigger crimes. Uh, we're seeing it left and right right now that people are sick of broken windows being ignored. And it's coming out even in the polls. So we'll talk about all of that. Number one on the triple dipper, broken windows. Number two, got to do this periodically. There is so much happening in the world that is not getting enough attention. And I want to make sure that we are constantly informing. So a walk in Biden's world. And it's a it's a security issue everywhere you look. So we're going to talk about things happening in the Middle East, things happening even on our own soil, things happening with uh, NATO, things happening with North Korea, all of it, a walk in Biden's world. So stay tuned for that one. And then number three, ah, I'm just calling it the ism schism. The ism schism. So what in the world is that? So every every if you notice that liberals, every single one of them's got them an ism. You got a racism, a classism, an ableism, an ageism, whatever. Everybody's got their own ism, and the ism creates a schism. And so I'm just saying we're going to go through some of it and poke fun because you know what? Can't we just have a grown-up conversation without there having to be an ism involved? How about this? Some of what you're screaming ism over may actually just be true. We'll deal with it. The ism schism number three on the triple dipper. 
All right, now let me move over to my comments here, and and I gotta, I gotta tell you, is this some of this sprang up out of a conversation I had with Charlene this morning, um, but I'll start by saying this: back in the early days of the war in Iraq, I remember once being on a patrol in central Baghdad. It was a foot patrol. We called them presence patrols because they were designed just to show everybody that we were there and that we were unafraid of walking through the streets of the enemy's territory. So I had been on any number of missions in those same streets. You know, we had cordon and searches, we had raids, we had guarding key infrastructure. But a presence patrol was, it was something different. By its very nature, the intent of a presence patrol was to make our presence known and to actually talk to people on the streets. I mean, it's amazing what you can find out when you just stop at a corner bazaar or the cafe and you ask somebody how they're doing. I'll never forget, though, on one occasion, talking with a man through my interpreter, and he told me what it had been like to live under Saddam Hussein. He told me about people who disappeared in the night, about having to be careful about what you said. But then he told me a story, an anecdote that I have never forgotten. He said he could distinctly remember that one day one of Saddam's sons, Uday Hussein, a man who was known for his brutality and his complete indifference to life, that Uday Hussein, he told me, had brought a tiger from the Baghdad Zoo and turned it loose in a local cafe just to see what it would do to people. He told me the story and then he kind of shrugged as if to say, And that was that. No one could do anything about it, and there was never going to be any consequences. And it was probably true. Life under Saddam was just one tragic event after another for many Iraqis, and there was a sense that you just went from one bad story to another and hoped that one day it would get better. But the swirl of negative news for folks in Saddam's Iraq was often so constant that the idea of accountability just fell by the wayside. I mean, can you imagine living in a world where those in power just did what they wanted with complete impunity and there was never any shred of consequences. Well, I was reminded about that story this morning as I was preparing to leave the house. Charlene and I were talking, and she was giving me some insight on her thoughts about current events. I mean, y'all, I so married up. But she made the point that currently, under the Biden administration, that it's as if we are in a constant spin cycle of negative events, going from one negative thing to another, and that before one can close out and any accountability can be brought to bear, that we just move to the next negative story. Now, listen, We're not a bunch of negative Nancys here on this show. I'm married to the most positive woman on the face of the earth. She can find the sunny side of a dark moment any day of the week. And I would also say that, generally speaking, I tend to see the glass being half full. But on the question of accountability, I I think she's nailed it. In fact, it, it might even be an intentional thing when you get down to it. You overwhelm us with difficulty and then do a horrible job of fixing it before anyone can get their feet under them or ask too many questions. We just jump to the next negative news. I mean, think about the last two-plus years under Biden. COVID was underway when he took office as if that wasn't bad enough, but we were then verbally assaulted if we questioned the narrative that we now know to be true, namely that COVID came from China, likely from a Chinese biolab. And before we could get that process, we were told that vaccinations were going to be compulsory, that we could lose our jobs, any jobs of any kind, never mind that pesky little freedom of assembly thing or the freedom of speech or freedom of due process. I mean, has anyone lost their position? Has anyone apologized in an official capacity for ruining the lives of scores of citizens? Hmm, not that I can recall. And then before we can get that whole vaccine, COVID vaccine mess measured out and put to rest, the most awful military decision-making in modern history was foisted on the collective consciences of Americans as all the blood and the treasure left on the ground in Afghanistan was just squandered. Thirteen more lives of brave young men and women were lost at the gates of the Kabul airport. And 1,000 or more U.S. citizens and billions of dollars in aid and equipment were abandoned. And veterans watched as the efforts of 20 years of service were denigrated. 
Has anyone lost their job? Has anyone been truly called on the carpet for that Afghanistan debacle? Not that I can recall. But before we could fully process that debacle, we faced the fact that the human toll of the southern border was reaching cataclysmic levels. I mean, since Biden took office, the U.S. has actually grown by over 1% in population just because of illegal crossings. Imagine that. Nearly 5 million illegals, human trafficking, cost to cities and counties and states in the billions, and over 100,000 deaths of U.S. citizens from fentanyl, which is largely tracked across that southern border. But is, is anybody owning the issue? I mean, is anyone at risk of losing their job for mismanaging our border? Eh, not yet. But then we quickly realized, by the way, that you can't pay attention to the southern border because you got so much going on in the transportation sector. Secretary of Transportation, though, was on paternity leave or vacation or something. The supply chain logjam at the ports of California, the rail strike that was and wasn't and was again. The FAA systems that crashed and grounded more aircraft in U.S. history than at any time since 9-11. Multiple train derailments, to include the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Is, is anyone accountable for this yet? Is anyone being called in to explain? Not that we can truly see. Now, I could go on and on. And truthfully, I'm not prone to simple gripe sessions. I've said many times this show is not intended to devolve into a mere series of gripes. So here's my solution. My solution is we cannot just shrug it off. That's the solution. We cannot allow ourselves to just shrug our shoulders. You heard me. Like the man who told me about Uday Hussein bringing the tiger to the restaurant and wreaking havoc on people. That man who told me that story and then just shrugged his shoulders as if to say, but hey, what do you do? But we cannot simply shrug our shoulders. As citizens of an actual free nation, we have to remind each other regularly that we cannot become so accustomed to difficult news or infringements on liberty or mismanagement of our national treasure that we just shrug and say, yeah, what do you do? We have to seek accountability. Even if it means keeping a long memory so that we don't forget in the midst of one crisis to hold someone accountable for the last crisis. Now, there's a place for government. I believe that. There is a place for government I believe that it is scriptural and it's just reality. But we have a right to call for good governance. Ronald Reagan once said, quote, Now, so there will be no misunderstanding, it's not my intention to do away with government. It is rather to make it work, to work with us, not over us, to stand by our side, to not ride our back. Government can and must provide opportunity, not smother it. Foster productivity, not stifle it. So, yeah, the bottom line is this. Don't forget the last negative issue as we wade next deep into the next one. Accountability may still be owed. All those things dating back two plus years. There's accountability, but accountability cannot occur if we let ourselves just shrug our shoulders. That's a wrap for the right side way. There you have it. Yeah, absolutely. Don't just shrug our shoulders and go, man, what do you do? It's government, you know, hey, no. No, no, no. We are owed good government. And accountability never happens if you just shrug your shoulders. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Text lines are open, by the way, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. You can call it or text it. If you text it for the very first time, uh, text the word right side. It's all one word, right side. And you'll get an automatic message back that says something like, you know, hey, welcome you right side ruffian. Tell us your first name and where you're from. I mean, I'm already seeing a bunch of texts coming in. Uh, and so I'll jump over to those here in just a minute. I uh, got somebody held on. Is that Allie? Allie from Athens is on line one. What you doing, my sister? I have got my morale, welfare, and recreation hat on, Colonel. So here we go. Okay. You will remember when we were hanging in the great sandbox, the role of the interpreters who came from the United States to go back to defeat Saddam, and they did it with language. They were brave. They were people. I met a guy named Dennis who had been spun by a fan for 11 days, skewered and had um, salt water put in his wounds. And he came back to interpret. A young man named Saul, who would have been conscripted into Uday's soccer team for the Olympics, escaped, became the captain of his soccer team in his senior year, went on to be amazing, came back to be an interpreter. There was Mr. Aram, who escaped being gassed in Halabza on the day that 180,000 people died. Saddam was already after him, and he told God that the country that would come to liberate Iraq would be the one that he would serve, and he came back to be an interpreter. So what am I saying? And then the Kurds, my word. The Kurds absolutely made our lives as Americans wonderful, and if you went into any place where the Kurds were, you were just about worshipped. So here's my point, sir. Freedom is not something that can ever be extinguished out of the body politic. And I don't care if you're Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, I don't care who you are. Tyranny never stands. It will implode from, in, from the inside. And what we have to do is be the ones who can go in and be the interpreters, one among a thousand. And that's who we are. That's Russianness. That's Americanness. That's Christianness. That's that's who we are, that's what we're going to do. Our words, our choices, our voices are going to get the job done. Outstanding. Wow, Allie. That's like monologue number two for the show. That's just good stuff. <laughs> well, you got me fired up. It's all your fault, sir. <laughs> hey, appreciate you, my friend. As always, you have a great day. Sure. Bye. All right, see you. She's, she's, she nailed it. I mean, she's right. She's right. We are not a, we are not a nation that sits still. So whether it be something within or without our nation, if it affects our people, at some point, someone's going to quit shrugging their shoulders. They're going to go, by God, there is something that needs to be done here. And that, and that, you know what, that is not in every nation, by the way. It, it, freedom is, is something that some people have so not experienced. I've said it before on here, but I'll say it again. In fact, it's on the recommended reading list on our website, rightsideradio.org. You can go on there. One of the books that is, um, that is posted on that recommended reading list is called Escape from Camp 14. And it's a story of a young man who was actually born in a North Korean gulag. He didn't, he didn't even know what life was like outside the wire. He had no concept of freedom, nothing. But one day, something in his, you know, in his, in, in his self just said, I need to know what's out there. And so it's his story. But, but reading, reading his story in detail, you get an understanding of what it means to have a nation so beaten down, so subjugated, that the idea of questioning whether you're allowed to have freedom in itself was a scary thought. 
but it's because there's no accountability, zero accountability. And so, yeah, I mean, I recommend Escape from Camp 14 in a big, big way. Um, so, uh, yeah, good stuff. Text lines, like I said, are indeed open. Um, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Um, uh, JT from Lacey Springs says the Hussein Tiger story brings chills uh, as the evil some can exert on others. I, I agree, man. I have... Um, I have told that story to multiple people over time. It just freaks me out every time I think about it. The very idea you can be that heinous, that that's so far gone, that you don't see a thing wrong with having the power and the you know the lack of accountability to go get the tiger out of the zoo and turn it loose in a restaurant just to watch and see what happens. But but the th- but the thing that got me though was not just the story. It was like I said in my monologue. It was the guy afterwards who told me the story, who like shrugged his shoulders, like what do you do? You know, hey, what do you do? What do you do? Well, um, you know, say what you want about the war in Iraq, but there was a group of people. There was a, there was a whole population of people there um, that had an opportunity for life that they never would have had before. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, we got tons of stuff on this show. We're going to come right back with the first part of the Triple Dipper, Broken Windows. I'm going to spend some time unpacking the fact that it's obvious that the American public ain't shrugging their shoulders when it comes to crime. It's becoming more and more a thing. We saw an election last night. Lori Lightfoot is out. The, 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 the evil priestess of Chicago is out. She is no longer going to be the mayor. And what was the, what was the thing that dragged her away from her office? Crime. The idea of being soft on crime. The idea that the people did not feel safe in their own city anymore. And she was supposed to be in charge. So, yeah. Um, the, 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 the question is... How long did it take for people to shrug their shoulders? Well, not as long as you might think in political realm, because she's the first mayor of Chicago to never win, to not win re-election. How about that? All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We will be right back. Listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. (laughs) Oh, man. Man, we are back. Solid conservative, just plain right with a mouthful of maple bacon donuts. My sweet wife, I am I so married up, Boomer. Oh yeah, I'm just saying. Oh my word, yes. <laughs> I mean, so uh, I mean, I've got a half-eaten maple bacon donut sitting right here from <laughs> from the bakery. I mean, she she literally just walked in during the break carrying a box of the official food of Right Side Radio. So now life is apparently much more much more closer to perfect as I sit here and drink coffee and <laughs> eat a fresh maple bacon donut from the bakery next door. Whoop whoop. That's um. That's like. That's, there it is. 
that's worth three whoops. Oh, that's good stuff. All right. So, hey, listen, uh, glad you guys are with us. Number one on the Triple Dipper, now that I am fueled up for the afternoon, broken windows. So if you're not familiar with the term, let me go ahead and just refresh the audience. So here's the deal. There's a, there's a theory in policing or law enforcement called the broken windows theory. And I believe it was enforced quite a bit during the time of the Giuliani administration in New York City back in the day when he literally cleaned up New York City, took it from a place where people did not feel safe in, you know, Times Square uh, when it was filled up with, you know, X-rated, you know, uh, venues and prostitution and crime and drug in the drugs in the alleyways, and and it was it was an awful situation. And Rudy Giuliani said that we're going to clean up our city. And part of it was the broken windows theory. The theory means basically that if you allow the small crimes to just be perpetrated at whim without any recourse or response, no accountability, for instance, broken windows, kids throw rocks through windows and break the glass and you say nothing, guess what? Those kids then go to the next higher crime and then to the next higher crime and the next higher crime and it perpetrates or, or feeds into the narrative that eh, ain't going to buy got to do anything, so do what you want. Well, the broken windows theory has been just maligned by liberal progressives. Oh, that's just awful. How dare you expend resources and, and pack our prisons full of people that all they did was break glass? No, no, that's not really true. No. I mean, you can, you, can, uh, you can detain someone, you can deal with someone, you can bring accountability to bear for a broken window without filling the prisons, all right? We're not talking about making misdemeanors into felonies. What we're saying is you don't just shrug your shoulders. You don't just say, you know, we're going to make it easier to be a criminal and harder to be a victim. That's, that's, the, that's antithetical to good common sense and good law and order. And law and order is one of the first and most important concepts to good governance. If you are in charge if you are in charge of the governmental entity that presides over a certain locale, whether it be a municipality or a county or a state government, doesn't matter. A national government, it doesn't matter. If you are not intent upon doing your part as that entity's leader to maintain law and order, then you are immediately putting the people at risk and diminishing quality of life, period. Period. Lori Lightfoot, Lori Lightfoot found out last night. So, so here's the thing, in case you're not tracking. Lori Lightfoot, the, the liberal, just, uh, well, she's just an odd person in general, but the liberal, progressive, um, soft on crime, horrible manager of people, Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago. How she became, by the way, how does she become mayor? I don't even understand how she got to that point. Because there is nothing about her ability to do the job that ever proved that, oh, look, we picked the right person. What did she do that was worthy of giving her the position in the first place? Anyway, Fox News has a piece. March 1st, that's today, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, a Democrat, lost her reelection bid Monday night, and critics are celebrating the end of her term. With Monday's loss, Lightfoot becomes the first Chicago mayor in 40 years, I think I said ever, but it's actually in 40 years, to lose reelection. First one in 40 years to lose re-election bid. Says under Lightfoot, Chicago has seen soaring crime rates, which became a theme of her opponent's criticism. In 2021, homicides in Chicago rose to their highest numbers in 25 years, outpacing other crime-ridden cities like New York and Los Angeles. 
Throughout her tenure, the mayor has been blasted for her poor relationship with law enforcement as the city's police department has lost a significant number of officers in recent years amid the rise in crime. The police officers did not feel supported by her, and rightfully so. The, the police officers did not at all feel like that she had their back. You know, it's, it's one thing to say, I'll go into harm's way and do what I got to do. But most people who do that just want to know that somebody will have their back when they do. And she didn't. And here's, here's one of the interesting pieces of this, is that she didn't just lose by a little bit. It was a landslide. It was a foot stomping, man. I mean, so they had the uh, kind of a, a cattle call style ballot, right? It wasn't like you were in a primary and you had to pick the one and the one goes up against the other one. No, this was the all call. This was everybody on the ballot. There were, I want to say, seven, eight, nine candidates uh, running. Um, she didn't even make it to the runoff. She was, she, was, she was in third place by a long shot. So right now, we got a uh, April runoff election between uh, Paul Vallis, uh, who is the Chicago Public Schools CEO and City Budget Director, and then Cook County Board of Commissioners member Brandon Johnson. Both of those two outpaced the lady who has been the, uh, the, the mayor now, who, unlike anybody else in 40 years, could not win a re-election bid because she was so disliked. And most of her problems go back to the people of the city not feeling safe in their own city. And so they voted her out. How about this one? Uh, also from Fox News. Fox News, Baltimore's former top prosecutor, Marilyn Mosby, has her trial delayed. Her trial. Her trial delayed. So the soft on crime, backed by Soros, former prosecutor of Baltimore, is now on trial herself for perjury and making false mortgage applications. Really? Mortgage fraud's a big deal, y'all. So perjury and mortgage fraud. And her entire defense team also quit, so she has no representation right now. What does this say about her? So apparently what she did, by the way, aside from being soft on crime during her tenure, which got her thrown out of office, uh, she lost her re-election bid last year. But in this case, the criminal charges stem back to the fact that apparently she, um, she claimed financial hardships during COVID-19 that she really didn't have which allowed her to draw money out of her retirement accounts with, under rules related to COVID. She then used those funds to place down payments on two vacation properties in Florida. Yeah, you got a serious hardship there when you're making $247,000 a year and you're able to cash out part of your uh, public retirement and, and put it on buying two vacation properties in Florida. Hmm, okay. So basically she lied about her income, perjured herself under the record on the record, and prosecutors now that she says she's um, facing uh, something like five to uh, up to five years in prison for perjury, up to thirty years in prison for for mortgage fraud. But the problem that she has also stems back to the fact that she was booted out of office by the people. Broken windows, y'all. She lost her reelection bid last year in the Democrat primary in a Democrat city. The former Democrat prosecutor couldn't even maintain in an environment that should have been all hers. But she controversially directed her office to stop prosecuting quality of life crimes like drug possession and prostitution. Just literally not going to do it. And we're not going to do it at all. Really. Broken windows. So you let drug possession and prostitution crimes just go. Just let them happen. Just shrug your shoulders. Not what we're going to focus on, y'all. 
And I get it. There's it's one thing to say you're going to triage your cases and pick the ones that are, you know, the the most pressing or, or, or that you have the resources for. It's altogether another to say, and you know what? We're just not going to uh, prosecute those kind of crimes at all, which means the criminals on the street, they know it. They know it. And so what are they going to do? Do more of it. That's what they're going to do. They're going to break more windows. How about that? But it's happening around the nation. And I'm going to get into Alabama here in a minute. It's happening around the nation, not the least of which we've talked in the last few days about Portland, Oregon. Boomer, your family from Oregon, they weren't actually in Portland, were they? They were right outside of Portland. Right outside of Portland. Mm-hmm. What's the community called? Do you know? Aloha. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do recall that. Um, all right. So Portland, by the way, if you've never been out to the Pacific Northwest, it's, a, it's beautiful. I mean, just gorgeous. And, and the environment's different. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's amazing how many different environments we have in one country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but Portland and Oregon itself, uh, the Cascades, uh, Mount Rainier up in, uh, in, in, in Washington, uh, the whole Pacific Northwest Coast, it's a different environment, and it's beautiful. Um, but Portland, Oregon itself is, in this one article, again on Fox News, dated today, is being called a hollowed-out shell of its former self. A hollowed-out shell. And by the way, these are citizens who are saying this. So one guy named Ben West, says he remember, was in Portland, was a funky, artsy crown jewel of the West Coast with a great food scene, and now he says it's a hollowed-out shell of what it used to be. Businesses are fleeing, and people are going out to greener pastures. You've been seeing a constant series of, you know, law and order style headlines. And then one particular trial attorney in the area said, what's happening is with our decarceration, not incarceration, but decarceration, and elimination of bail, uh, the culture of that, he said, we've got all these people running around, and it's really scary because we have an anti-police culture. So what they're saying is this, all of the environment that is crushing the soul of the people in Portland comes back again to the broken windows theory. If you just let it go, it gets worse. If you deal with it, if you set the tone that says, we care about our neighborhoods, we care about our streets enough to where we're just not going to ignore it, it winds up having the impact of developing a culture of concern and a culture of we don't shrug our shoulders and walk away. And it goes on to say here that, you know, Portland, the crime problem can be partially attributed to the 2020 efforts of defund police, which have just caused the, the ranks of the Portland police to, to just, you know, suffer greatly. The city ranks 48th out of 50 of the biggest cities in the nation for officers per capita. I mean, it's at all-time lows, and the police do not feel supported. And so guess what? They don't have enough policing. And guess what? Broken windows turn into bigger crimes. All right, Boomer, take us to a break. I'm going to come back and finish this up and talk with you a little bit more about street justice, what's happening out west, but then I'm going to bring it home. What's happening right here in Alabama? Are there efforts in the legislature for the upcoming session to do some things that would say that we don't shrug our shoulders and let things just happen? I'll tell you about it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Boomer, you were slow rolling that maple bacon donut, buddy. I, I mean, mine, oh, yeah, I'm just enjoying it. Mine's done. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure. I, I, I'm, I'm sure I even, my grandfather used to always, boy, you better savor that candy. <laughs> He'd make me eat it slower. Uh, no. I love my granddaddy. He, he he had this kind of kind of coarse way of talking sometimes. Not not like cussing or anything, but he he would. I'll never forget this. And he didn't he, he didn't mean anything by it. But he looked at me one day and he goes, "Boy, start savoring that candy." <laughs> what, what do you mean, granddaddy? I mean I mean I'm going to get you a piece of stick candy out of the hutch in the kitchen. You're gonna you're gonna eat it slow. You're gonna savor it. And I'm sitting there and I'm so I'm trying to eat my candy slow. And he's he's like, "Boy, so help my God, you don't slow down on that candy and savor it. I'm gonna beat you." <laughs> which you know granddaddy never raised a hand to me my entire life that's so that's not a, not a real threat but it just it just I like granddaddy slow it down yes sir you know <laughs> uh so you're doing a better job at savoring your maple bacon I'm donut in, than i was i'm enjoying it yes that's good food <laughs> it's the official food of right side radio in case you didn't know um all right hey back on the topic at hand broken windows so um, the theory being that if you just let things slide, it only gets worse. If you just let things go, the little stuff, like kids throwing rocks through a window, if you just let it slide, those kids will do bigger things the next time and bigger things the next time. It creates an environment of we're just shrugging our shoulders, do what you want. Well, So here's an article from freebeacon.com uh, dated uh, – right out a month ago. Street justice, it says. Los Angeles has become the Wild West under their soft-on-crime prosecutor. So you may recall there was a story from June of last year where a guy was apparently just no fooling. He, he mowed down with his car. He, he ran down a mother who was out walking her baby in a stroller uh, actually in August of 21. He pled guilty in June of 22. He pled guilty. He pled guilty to it, and the videos were, I mean, it was an outrage. It was, it, was, it was the idea that you can't even walk your baby on the streets of Los Angeles without some drug-induced nut job trying to run you down for kicks, and that's what happened, and the video showed it. But it says in this article here, in the turn of events that captures the epidemic of lawlessness affecting the city of Los Angeles, a teenager who hit a mother and baby with his car was also shot and killed just weeks after completing his time in a diversionary program. He should have gotten a stiffer sentence. He shouldn't have been out on the streets. But soft on crime, uh, District Attorney Gascon, George Gascon, who was funded by George Soros, um, he, he's, he, he put him into a program that was much lighter than what he deserved. And, the, and in so doing, the kid was then back out on the street, and the kid didn't get anything out of it and immediately got back into the environment where he wound up being shot dead. So if that's not clear proof that soft on crime causes problems, well, it's soft on crime. It, it hurts the criminals, too. How about that? Um, you may recall that Gascon even announced that he would no longer try juvenile criminals as adults. He was forced to have to reverse course on that one at the very least in 2022 after facing public backlash. And, and, and so all said and done, you get this guy, Gascon, soft on crime. He barely survived an attempt to uh, have him, um, uh, uh, you know, recalled. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, I got a caller on the line, which I'm trying to, i tell you what, I'll do it. It's, it's, uh, is that Kareem? Kareem's on line one. Kareem, how you doing, man? 
Hey, what's up, Phil? How you doing? I'm good, buddy. What's up? And listen, I was I was just listening to you talking about Giuliani broken ceiling thing, but actually it was called quality of life crimes. Okay. See, they was locked. They was not only was was they locking you up for nothing. They lock you up for jaywalking. If you have the train, they lock you up. If you sit on the train with, if you take up more than one seat, like if you manspread, they was coming through the train locking you up. And the whole thing was they was trying to pass quotas to where they fill up a van and take you in, whether you did a crime or not. And I know this because I lived there. I lived through this. It was quality of life crimes. If you was coming home, you usually pick up a, a bottle of beer or something like that, you're walking down the street, even with a bag on it, they'll roll up on you and lock you up. That's what Giuliani did. So I think the, the majority of those numbers, as far as he, you know, having the city safe, was because they just arrested a bunch of people for nothing. Well, so, okay, let me ask you about this. Because some of what you say, I have no doubt that there were times when there was people being rolled up on the street that were more than what was necessary. But, but at the same time, the streets also got cleaned up, didn't they? And when you say about getting arrested for manspreading on the, on the trains, I, don't, I have a hard time believing if you took up a, an extra seat that you wound up spending a week in jail. You no, you don't spend a week in jail. The whole thing was, I mean, from my personal experience, and I already know that because I was a, I was a messenger back then. So sometimes you took the train, sometimes you didn't. And of course, you you was using tokens back then. We didn't even have uh, the metro cards, so you used the tokens. I know I paid, but the whole thing is, when by the time I first get on the train, I saw somebody tap me in the back because you know I had my Walkman on. I'm, I was a young kid or whatever. Somebody tapped me. I turned around. They figured I know he's throwing me on the walk, throwing cuffs on me. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And by the time I got outside, I already knew what it was. I already knew that they was trying to meet a quota. All right, we well, say a quota though. So what usually happens? Hey, I got yeah, like so I got like thirty seconds, uh, Kareem. I, I hate to I hate to shut this one off because I want to I want to hear more about this, but I only got like thirty seconds. But when you say fill a quota, what are they getting bonuses? What, yes. What, what, what? yes, they had quotas in order to, to to make a certain amount of rest a day. And they had they send vans out like ten passenger vans, and they have to fill up each van, no matter what you did. You didn't even have to do a crime, and they had to fill that van up. That was New York City quality of life crimes, not broken ceiling. Quality of life crimes. That's what they call. Them. But don't you think there's a balance? I mean, at some point, you can't just shrug your shoulders and let things go. Oh man, the music turns. What's playing. the hey, Kareem, what's the you, balance hey, if you're getting arrested for no crime? Okay, well, hang on, Kareem. I'll tell you what, if you want to call back after this uh, six-minute break, you are welcome to it, brother. But uh, I got to go to break right now. All right, let's do this, Boomer. We're taking the break. Y'all stay tuned. More on it. We'll be right back. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right you're listening live to right side radio with phil williams it's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side right side radio Solid, conservative, and just plain right. 
Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams, live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, and we're about to do some international here in just a minute. We cover down on all the issues, and uh, like I always say, the dude just said a moment ago, solid, conservative, and just plain right. I actually had Leanne from Huntsville text me a while ago, Boomer. She said, who's the dude? Do you know him? And I said, what? <laughs> I'd forgotten that that's, it's kind of like a thing that I say sometimes. And she, do you know the dude? No, I don't know the dude. Anyway, oh, the dude. I, I just, somehow or another, I started saying that and it just stuck is what I told her. And um, <laughs> uh, anyway, hey, uh, Kareem called in a minute ago. If he wants to call back in, he's welcome to it. So we're on this, finishing up this topic on broken windows. Um, so yeah, I think Kareem's point was he felt like, and this is what the argument has been constantly, is that there was a, um, that we, it went too far that they were arresting people for what he called quality of life crimes, but quality of life is exactly what we're talking about. How about quality of life victims? How about people who are get tired of the broken windows? How about people who get tired of the low-level offenses? And when you begin to show that you care about the low-level offenses, the theory is, the broken windows theory is that, that it, it winds up creating an environment of we will not tolerate crime in general. And people begin to feel safe, or at least safer. Well, the story here, and it's in a variety of places, but I, I pulled it off of this one in case uh, is NBC 15, uh, which is, I believe, out of South Alabama. Uh, story dateline uh, two days ago. Proposed Alabama legislation would reform the good time laws. A situation within our Department of Corrections that allowed uh, those who were incarcerated to earn good time to take off their sentences. And in, case, in fact, it, it had been such that you could shave 75 days off your sentence for every 30 days of good behavior. So it's like a two for one. Um, and, and it's, it's backfired. Uh, it's backfired in a deadly way. So the proposed state legislation, according to NBC 15, would make it more difficult for certain inmates to earn early release. The legislation comes after a deputy was killed by a suspect that officials say should not have even been on the streets. Um, deputy Brad Johnson, you may remember this in Bibb County, uh, last year, June of last year, was um, shot to death. And his partner, Deputy Chris Poole, who was also one of his best friends in life, um, was also shot. Both men shot in the head. Um, the suspect uh, who, who, who did the shooting um, was not supposed to have been there, but he had gotten a bunch of good time opportunities, which also put him in a place where he could do work release from which he escaped. And therefore, he had the opportunity to do that, which he could not have done otherwise. So, Right now, those who are opposing this bill uh, say all it will do is overcrowd our, 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 our prison system. State Senator April Weaver uh, from down in Shelby County, um, she says these are good time credits that should not have been allowed because it flies in the face of making the state safe for its citizens. We can't just always look at, this is me talking now, we can't just always look at, oh, it's prison overcrowding. It's prison overcrowding. I got news. We're going to have to deal with it. And I hate it because I've seen some of the, I've toured those prisons and I'm telling you, some of them are way overcrowded, like scary overcrowded. But you can't just turn criminals out on the street and say, yeah, good luck, everybody. So April Weaver, Senator Weaver says, so I will tell you that I believe Alabama is being invaded by soft on crime liberal lawyers who are being sent here to address things like this. She says, in Alabama, we're a conservative state. We love our law enforcement officers and we're going to protect our victims and we want to focus on public safety and that's the focus we have in this bill. So um, so there's a, there's a, there's a piece of right there of people getting tired of it and not shrugging their shoulders. There's actually legislation that would reform some of the opportunities people had to get out early and, and make it tougher. 
And, and, and some are already saying, I mean, the, the, the outcry right now is you can't do this. You're, you're making it hard. Well, it was their sentence. But, of course, the ACLU has gotten involved. Is Kareem back on the line? I'll do that. Let me jump over real quick. Uh, line one, Kareem's back on the line. Hey, man, how you doing? Hey, Phil. But nice. the, I, you know, I understand what you're saying because I believe if you're a criminal and if you do wrong, you deserve to go to jail. Yeah. But at the same time, how would you feel getting arrested for something you know you didn't do? Then you got to go to the tombs where they take you downtown and they strip search you. And then you sit there only to get in front of the judge in the, in the morning and they staring at a blank piece of paper. They tell you to turn around and go home. Yeah, okay. But, but you know, Kareem, that was my experience with them. I, I hear that, man, but you're, you're talking about bad policing. You're not talking about safe streets. There's a difference. You can have bad police. You're going to have bad somebodies and everything. But, but you got to admit, New York City got cleaned up, didn't it? It's, 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 I couldn't tell because for some reason, if, well, it all depends on which, 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 you know, which point, which point you're looking at. If for me, it, it wasn't. It was it, his quality of life crimes for me and the ones that look like me is that we was cannon fodder. In other words, we could just get locked up for anything, even if we didn't do anything. All right, but but and, I, I mean, I, like I said again, how would you feel? And this was this was his thing. This is why we didn't like Giuliani when, when he came through. Meanwhile, you have whole Jewish neighborhoods where they have their own police force. If they break into the law or something like that, they'll tell the police to get out their neighborhood. No. You had the Russians up in Coney Island, and they was doing the same thing, telling the police to get out their neighborhood. So it's like the only ones they could arrest with no fuss was black people. Well, so, you, but Kareem, again, you're taking this, you're turning it into a race issue and a bad policing issue. And let's, 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 let's say it for a second, just for a second. Do you agree that dealing with low-level crimes is important because it also establishes a, 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 a notion that we don't put up with crime in general? Absolutely. Okay. But that means you got to, at least it's got to be a crime that you deserve to go to jail for. Okay, I Man, get that. Man, on a train, you don't deserve to go to jail for that. Okay, but I, I, I guarantee you Giuliani didn't before. clean up the city. Hang on, Kareem. I guarantee you Giuliani didn't clean up the city of New York by arresting all the manspreaders on the, on the, on the public transit. He did quite a few of that. If you hop the train, which was 75 cents at the time, maybe a dollar, you go to jail. Usually they're taking a little room and they give you the they give you a warning or they write you a ticket or something like that. But they've been sending people to jail for that. So transit you know, police, metro police. Job. A lot of times if you was traveling, you had to get to work or something like that. You could lose your job. But then what happened? Yeah, but OK, now you're but OK. You just you just went down a different road. So when you say hop the train, you're talking about somebody who didn't pay the fare, hop the turnstile and the transit police had to arrest them. Is that right? Yeah. They okay, but that, to arrest you once Giuliani started that. But brother, that's a crime. So what you're saying is you just don't want to be arrested for. I'm not saying you. I'm talking about in general. You're saying let the thing, let the crimes happen because a guy may have to go to work. If we just let everybody say I have an excuse, like hey, my life's hard, I need to commit this small, low level crime. What does it do to the broader community? No, no one, no one is saying that. All I'm saying is that if the punishment was for 20, 30 years that you get a ticket and you got to go in and you got to pay that ticket after that, then I can understand that. But then you start taking people to jail. You start messing with people, real quality of life, like them getting to work or them getting to school so they won't have to hop the train. Okay. You, you understand? You gotta, if you get there, you get a check. That way you can pay to get on the train and you don't have to hop it. I, I, I get that, but you, you can't. His, his you, thing was lock them up, lock them up, lock them up. Quality of life does not allow you to commit a crime in order to have your quality of life. It doesn't work that way. 
You know that. I mean, you can't you can't say you need to let these people hop the train and break the windows and sell the drugs on the street because they got to feed their family. It doesn't work like that. Go flip a burger no, somewhere no, closer to no, home. No, no one is saying that. You sell drugs, you go to jail. And that was that was a whole other thing. You know, the drug thing because you was definitely going to jail. They, that's 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 not it. It was locking up whole neighborhoods, whole blocks, whole buildings, whole at at one time. So that wasn't that wasn't a, that you know that. That's that's a whole separate conversation. You know, it's crazy. I feel like we're all I'm saying is that I, I think we're agreeing without agreeing. It's weird because I'm I'm trying to tell you. I, all I'm saying is that if you're going to do it, do it to everybody. Okay. You don't pick a certain class of people and turn everybody into a criminal for something minor. Okay, all right. Like you you, 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 you say that, and and, I, and, I, and granted, you got saying. your perspective, Kareem. But but I'm gonna be honest with you. You're you're talking about apples and oranges. You're talking about bad policing. I'm no, talking I'm about going bad crime. Real life experiences. I know you. I know you're saying that, but but I'm just telling you, you can't. What you're asking me to do though is go ahead and say that the broken windows theory didn't work because there were some bad police, and then you're also asking me to say, and you got to excuse the low level crime because a guy may have to get to work we can't you can't go down that road there's going to be a bad policeman once in a while and there's also going to be people that have to get to work but you can't just let the crime happen because it advances and it ruins the entire community it's like a cancer oh so you should go to jail because you because you jaywalked i didn't say that but i'm saying if that's if that's the penalty assessed <laughs> for the that, crime that's the low level crimes though it, I, I, all right but you know what crimes. you go to jail because you jaywalked and I oh, and I guarantee it? you, at some point, the jaywalking stops. But but the truth of the matter is this: the 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 jaywalking was not the thing that truly got cleaned up. It was the tone that was set that stopped the upper level crimes from feeling like they had carte blanche to do whatever they wanted to do. And cream, I'm up against the break again, man. You took me from one break to another. Um, all right, man. All right, Thank brother. We love you. All we'll right. see you. All right, uh, Boomer, take me to a break. I think I'm done with this one. Here's the bottom line, folks. As we as the music plays me out, the truth. I, and, I, and I believe this is all my heart. If you have a bad police officer somewhere in the mix, that's a one-off. If you have somebody that has to get to work and so they skip the turnstile to jump on the train, that's a one-off. Truth be told, if you've got low-level crime and just nobody says anything about it, that's not a one-off. That's a tone. That's a tone that allows crime to be perpetrated on the community without any accountability. And you can't have that. you got to deal with the broken windows. If you're going to stop the upper level crime, you got to have an attitude that says not on our watch. And that's what we're talking about. All right. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Boomer, the whole studio smells like maple bacon donuts. It does. It totally does. So the lovely Charlene stopped by a few minutes ago. You know, the official food of Right Side Radio is maple bacon donuts. And if you've never had one, well, I'm pretty sure your, 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 your culinary horizons need to be expanded. You should have one. You should have one. You should just, you should. Maple bacon donuts. So, yeah, um, they're a thing, and they're a good thing. And the lovely Charlene brought by a box, and they're sitting over here on a uh, side stool in the studio just wafting their goodness through the air. 
Good night. All right. Um, there, so uh, turn to the text line real quick. If you want to text in, I'd love to get your feedback. 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Do you or do you not agree on the broken windows theory? Um, I'll take your feedback on that. Uh, Bruce from Hazel Green just texted in and said there has to be consequences in cities that allow petty theft like San Francisco and New York when they allow people to steal upwards of $750 worth of stuff a day that makes them keep on doing it. There's nothing to get them to stop. That's the problem. Uh, see, there you go. Perfect. You, 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 and at, at that, By the way, I wish I had thought to put that article in my stack. Bruce, uh, great point. San Francisco and New York have, have got retail theft is out the, out the yang right now. And there's an entire cottage industry of people who know how to walk in, assess the price tags, and walk out with a certain amount of inventory because they know they won't be arrested because it's under $750. It's ridiculous. Uh, Jeremy from Huntsville says the whole idea of making laws justifying through exceptions instead of following Occam's razor and dealing with exceptions on a case-by-case basis is becoming policing's downfall. Wow, man, I got some smart listeners out here. Um, John from Huntsville says this is Crime Stoppers or is this Right Side Radio? Focus, Phil. <laughs> Get to the third dipper. <laughs> Thank John. Uh, Leanne from Huntsville just says, you can't hop it. If you hop, you go to jail. She's all caps. She was, she ain't playing. She's not buying Kareem's thing about how you can just, you can just hop the train. No, you can't. Uh, what else do I got here? Allie from Athens tech and said, man spreading, please tell me they're not going to lobby for a safe space now. Nice. Um, uh, JT from Lacey Springs says one has to wonder if uh, Mayor Woodfin is scratching his chin on re-election after Lightfoot's defeat. I can't help but wonder because I was going to go down that road a little more detail, but I didn't. Is the fact that um, the highest per capita murder rate, the cities with the highest per capita murder rates, that the Birmingham remains in the top ten, and and this is a city where the mayor literally does his press conferences wearing a T-shirt that says "Legalize marijuana now." Um, and who, who issued blanket pardons dating back to 1992 for drug possession. Just blanket pardons, something like 15,000 pardons. Liberal Mayor Randall Woodfin of Birmingham, what he's doing is sending a message. Hey, there are certain crimes you can commit, and we'll make sure that you have no consequences. Or if you did have consequences, we'll apologize to you, and we'll wipe it off your record. Let me suggest this to you. Legalize it first if you think that's what you got to do which, by the way, involves legislative action. And then, if it's not a crime, you're okay. But while it's still a crime, if someone does it, there has to be consequences, period. And the very idea that the mayor of Birmingham would say, you know, I'm not sure if he was born in 1992. How old is Randall Woodfin? But the reality is he dated his, uh, his blanket pardons back to 1992. In fact, you know what? I've never... I need to find out why 1992. Why stop there? Was there something that was enacted in 92 that he decided to go back and correct? Which, by the way, is not his job. It's not his job. Are pardons part of the job of a mayor? Potentially. And they should be on a case-by-case basis like one of our callers or texters just said a moment ago. But you just don't do blanket pardons because all you're doing is saying, hey, everybody, uh, we're a crime city. Yeah, we'll take care of you. Hey, you're a criminal? Low-level crime, though, right? Just low-level crime? Did you hop the train? Did you have some uh, have a baggie of marijuana in your, in your, in your pants pocket? Did you, uh, did you get caught in the wrong place at the wrong time? We get it. We get it. We'll wipe that off your record. Oh, no, nothing to see here. 
At that point, what happens to the police officers? The police officers are embarrassed. The police officers are disheartened. The police officer morale goes down. And so, yeah, it matters. It reduces law enforcement capacity. It reduces law enforcement effectiveness. It reduces safe streets. It makes it very clear that there's an element of crime that will be tolerated. And as long as you just stay within the realm of that, you know, tolerated crime, we understand. Well, then why is it on the books? Why is it a crime if there's no accountability? Hmm. Wait a minute, Phil. You're saying that if it's a crime, there should be accountability? Yes, exactly what I'm saying. And you're saying that if there's no accountability or if we just absolve people at whim, that they might come back and do it more? <laughs> you think? So let me, let me ask you this question. If indeed your child came in the kitchen and got a snack right before dinner and you didn't say anything, what do you think they're going to do tomorrow when they're hungry right before dinner? They're going to get another snack. What about this? Criminals, who, by the way, are already making bad decisions, what do you think they're going to think when they realize nobody cares about what they do? They're going to think they can get away with it and do some more. And then the next day, when they do it three times, they'll go ahead and stack it up and make it worse. And, and so I'm just telling you, folks, this broken windows theory, to me, it has legs. Is there a bad police officer out there? Sure there are. There's a lot more bad criminals, though, than there are bad police officers. Thank you very much. So don't try to blame it on racism. Don't try to blame it on any other ism, which I'll cover later on the show when I get to number three of the Triple Dipper, the ism schisms. But nonetheless, broken windows is a legit theory that has been proven to be effective. It's just not liked by some people who want there to be a pass, who want there to be a soft on crime policy, who want there to be some way to just say, you know, some crimes are all right, y'all. Some crimes are, they're not all right. They're not all right. All right, we're going to switch gears when we get back. Number two of the Triple Dipper, a walk in Biden's world. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just. Plain right, covering down on some major ground across the northern half of the beautiful state of Alabama. Talking about this show goes way on down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi. 
just for good measure. So, um, hey, I'm, I'm moving to number two of the Triple Dipper, a walk in Biden's world. And by the way, coming up top of the hour, uh, you're going to want to stay tuned for the Grand Council with myself and Dale Jackson and Jeff Poor. We do it every Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Three conservative talk show hosts in one place. Look out. But nonetheless, uh, a walk in Biden's world. That's number two of the Dipper. A walk in Biden's world. My, here's my point in doing this. Um, there are those squeaky wheel stories. They're the ones that we always hear. They're the, you know, the, the war in Ukraine. And, and you, get, you get some, some tidbits about it. Every once in a while, we got to do a little bit of a deep dive. Every once in a while, we got to look around and say, hey, by the way, what else is happening in world events? Because in, in my opinion, and maybe more so than ever before, we have, a, we have a, um, an administration right now that is operating without a foreign policy strategy. If you know what it is, tell me. Is there, is there an enunciated foreign policy strategy that actually guides the things that they say and do? You know, like we've in, in, in years past, we've had, you know, the Monroe Doctrine, the Bush Doctrine, the um, the uh, the Trump foreign policy of America first, the um, the Reagan policy of peace through strength. Is there anything out there that Biden can put his name on? Like, here's my policy. And if there is, I don't know what it is. I think it's like a. Let's play catch up every time we turn around. That's what it does. <laughs> the Biden administration policy. Wow. What do you feel like today? I don't know. What'd they say? Oh, who, who talked to him last? I don't know. Let me run through a series of stories to give you an idea of the kind of things that are out there in the world, some of which wind up getting pretty dicey that may or may not have even been on your radar right now, but they're going to be in a minute. So let's take a walk in Biden's world. First of all, I want to point out that President Biden's uh, Secretary of the Army, Christine Warmoth, the same person who has been Secretary of the Army and has presided over the Afghanistan pullout debacle and the recruiting failures. Um, she is now testifying to Congress, and this story is dated yesterday. Off of justthenews.com, U.S. Army Secretary Christine Warmoth protected, predicted that if China got into a major war with the U.S., the communist-led country would indeed attack the American homeland. So she's predicting the possibility of war here in our backyard. Her quote, Quote, the United States homeland would be at risk as well with both kinetic and non-kinetic attacks, cyber attacks on the power grid or on pipelines. And she went on to talk about how this would be used in order to try and defeat U.S. morale. What she's trying to say is um, we are not looking at a World War II scenario where the boys will go over there. All right. Um, we're, we're talking about, in her opinion, as the Army secretary, she's saying that a major war with China, which our tensions with China right now are at all time highs, a major war with China could very easily result in both kinetic and non-kinetic action right here on U.S. soil. Well, let's keep that going. Fox News has a story dated today, a very comprehensive story, a rather shocking story. Headline, U.S. mainland is under threat as Iran pushes assassinations and kidnappings, according to a recent report. You know, why this is not the top headline of every news broadcast, I don't know. It says, amid the report that a top Iranian regime military official on Friday urged the murders of the ex-commander of CENTCOM, General McKenzie, former President Trump, and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, a new report also asserts that Iran is likely behind a kill list targeting law enforcement agencies in Boston. In Boston. So his name is Amirali Haji Zada. Amirali Hajizadeh, he's the commander of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Aerospace Division. 
He declared during a televised interview just last week, he said, God willing, we will be able to kill Donald Trump, Mike Pompeo, CENTCOM Chief General McKenzie, and others who ordered the killings of Qasem Soleimani. All right, so not only do we have a state actor calling for the execution of a former president of the United States and others in his cabinet, we also have in this report the story that I had not seen until I got ready for today's show that apparently there's a project right now which has gained a lot of controversy. Uh, It's called the Mapping Project. The Mapping Project in Boston appears to be funded by the Iranian government, and its purpose is to create basically a doxing and targeting website where they list all major government facilities, synagogues, and other areas of interest throughout the Boston area. So a 24-page report by the California-based Zakor Legal Institute outlines what it says are Iranian threats against U.S. targets that include the Boston Police Department, the FBI, other government law enforcement agencies. It's called the Mapping Project. The Boston Mapping Project was originally thought to be planned by anti-Semitic terrorists, but now what we're finally beginning to see is that it appears to be funded in part by the Iranian government. This is on our soil. A spokesperson for the U.S. National Security Council deferred to the State Department. A spokesperson then for the State Department said, we have no information to provide you. But what we're seeing, though, is a report says China could bring war to the U.S. mainland. Iran is calling for the assassination of top U.S. officials and, oh, by the way, helping fund a targeting list in Boston. At the same time, we have a report that came out yesterday. It was the lovely Charlene who pointed it out to me. Reuters is reporting right now that a U.S. official uh, is claiming that the Iranian government may have enough fissile material to make an atomic bomb within the next 12 days. 12 days. That's one bomb. It's one low-yield nuclear device. But nonetheless, it's a nuclear device, and they could have one ready in roughly 12 days. Uh, That report came out yesterday. Undersecretary of Defense for Policy Colin Call, according to Reuters, made the comment to a House of Representatives hearing when pressed by a Republican lawmaker as to why the Biden administration had sought to revive the deal. He basically threw it off in the Trump administration, and, and, and I'll paraphrase, but in essence he said that the Trump administration had made the world less safe and that uh, if we don't get back to the program of trying to you know, pay Iran not to build nukes, that they'll build them quicker and that they're now at about 12 days capacity is what he said. Two separate stories, one from Newsmax, one from Military.com. That's one liberal, one conservative site, both of which confirm the IAEA, and I'm paraphrasing now, but the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, which is doing random inspections on nuclear facilities in Iran, claims to have found Iranian uh, enriched particles that reach up to 83.7% of quality. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I don't know all this stuff, but what I'm reading in the reports clearly indicates that that's more than enough uh, weapons-grade level of purity to build a nuclear device. A spokesman for Iran's civilian nuclear program, Beruz Kamavandi, sought last week to portray any detection of Iranian or uranium particles uh, in risk to that level as just being a, uh, uh, an outlier. Oh, the, this is that was an outlier in the system. It was not. It was not indications that we have bad things. <laughs> You're Iran. Uh, Iran has been producing uranium rich to sixty percent purity. Uh, 
a level for which nonproliferation experts say has no civilian use. So they're supposed to be kept at like 3.6% purity, which would allow them to have a nuclear reactor. But instead, they have been going to at least 60%, and now IAEA inspections are saying they're finding upwards of 87% quality um, of enriched uranium. And, oh, by the way, Undersecretary of Defense says they may have the ability to build a bomb within 12 days. So, okay, a walk in Biden's world, what does that do? Does it make the world less safe? I would say so, yes. Does it, make the, does it, does it have you uh, sitting a little bit on the edge of your seat? I hope so. Here's the other piece of this, though. What does it do in other countries? Saudi Arabia, according to the nationalnews.com. Nationalnews.com, Saudi Arabia says a nuclear arms race in the Middle East cannot be ruled out. So here we go. Saudi Arabia's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Prince Faisal bin Farhan al-Saud, says he cannot rule out a nuclear arms race in the region. Speaking at the Munich Security Conference, he said the kingdom was concerned about Iran's nuclear program and wanted negotiations between Tehran and world powers to resume. At a session titled The Middlemen, the geostrategic role of Middle Anyway, Prince Faisal said, quote, If one state gets nuclear weapons, especially one that has expressed aggression toward its neighbors, I think everyone will start thinking about how to protect themselves. I hope it never happens. The genie will be hard to put back in the bottle. All right, there's so so first of all, China is is said to be capable of bringing the attack to the U.S. mainland. Iran is said to be able to build a nuke within the next 12 days should it decide to do so. Trace particles of highly enriched uranium are being found by nuclear inspectors. And then on top of that, Saudi Arabia is saying, just saying, it's going to be a nuclear arms race. We can't just sit idly by and let that happen. So a nuclear arms race on the most restive, you know, portion of, of, of the geography in the world is not a good idea. Meanwhile, what's happening with China and Taiwan? Article here on military.com again, dated today. Taiwan says China sent 25 warplanes and three ships towards its island most recently. China sent 25 warplanes, three warships towards Taiwan on Wednesday morning of last week. The island's defense ministry said, as tensions remain high between Beijing and Taipei's now. This happens. The ministry said 19 of those planes crossed into what uh, Taiwan calls its air defense identification zone, while the ships continued to operate out in the Taiwan Strait. It said Taiwan responded by scrambling fighters, dispatching ships, and activating coastal missile defense systems to closely monitor. China stages encourages like this on a near-daily basis, part of what's called its gray zone tactics. But Taiwan has been responding by upgrading its fleet of F-16s, and ordering 66 more of them from the United States. And U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken canceled a visit to Beijing last month. We're just walking in Biden's world. All this stuff happening at one time. Were you tracking all this, Boomer? I mean, is this... <laughs> no, I mean, were you tracking it before today's oh, No. I mean, no. He's looking at me like, yeah, I am. I'm saying <laughs> nah, no. I'm, I'm saying, tracking it now. That's the thing. I think a lot of this stuff flies under people's individual radars. It's right. not the top story on Fox News, so we don't always see it. That, that's exactly what it is. Uh, North Korea, 1945.com. North Korea again launches two different nuclear-capable missiles. Is this considered significant? Well, I'd say yes. Now, it happens all the time. It's North Korea, right? When we get back from this break, I'll tell you, what about this particular launch was more significant? Two different nuclear-capable missiles. 
There's your clue right there. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We're taking a walk in Biden's world. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Text lines have just, like, blown up. I mean, how do I keep track of all this? Got a brand-new texter on the line who didn't tell us their name or where they're from, but they did say, regarding your stories about China and Iran, how many have already come across our southern border? Not hard to imagine how these countries take advantage of that golden opportunity in Biden's world. Totally agree. Tell us who you are and where you're from, but thanks for being on the text line. Uh, oh, they just okay. It's Mike and Madison. He just texted you. Well, I was that was kind of creepy, actually. <laughs> Mike and Madison, appreciate you. Thanks for being on the line. Uh, John from Huntsville said, "A walk in Biden's world, Phil. I'm terrified. This is going to scar me for life." Uh, Sama the truck driver. Sama the truck driver says Biden's policy is destroy America. Mm, there you go. John from Athens says, with regards, I guess to the um, the the thing about broken windows a while ago. It says, in the military, we call it setting a new standard. If someone's caught wearing earrings in uniform and they're not supposed to, and you don't correct it, all you've done is set a new standard. Just like these politicians do. They don't care about regulations. They just want to make the standard. So, I, you know, that's a, that's a great point. Um, by not enforcing a standard, you have indeed established a new standard. That's, that's, a, that's a great point, John from Athens. Jeff from Indiana uh, shouldn't you call this a trip in Biden's world? He does that a lot, you know. Which is funny because Brandy from Athens followed up right after that and said, shouldn't that be a stumble in Biden's world? <laughs> uh, golly bum. Uh, JT from Lacey Springs, broken windows. Huntsville councilman who shoplifted a few dozen times feels an apology warrants his forgiveness and remains a councilman. That's, well, he's a councilman for now, bud, but uh, hang in. We'll, we'll see whether he stays there or not. Oh, uh, what else do we got there? Um, I, I don't. Apparently, Leanne from Huntsville was disagreeing with me about a lot of things. It says, "Agree, agree, agree." Uh, so thank you, Leanne, for the affirmation. Uh, I had a new texture, and now I can't find it. I was going to say, "Welcome to the line." Um, shoot. Well, now I don't have where it is. Somebody was brand spanking new on the on the lines today. Anyway, we got a bunch of folks. I'm looking at more texts from Andrew from Athens, Jerry from Athens, Brian from Huntsville. Uh, John from Pike Road, down yonder in Pike Road, my friend John. Appreciate you, John. Thanks much. Um, all right. Let's move this thing to a conclusion. North Korea did indeed launch two more nuclear-capable missiles in the last week. They were, part, they were their um, Hwasong-15, early analysis confirms. And they also went on what's called a lofted angle, which means that if it had leveled out, it would have been sufficient to reach the continental United States. So... Significant piece here is that they did appear to be successful launches, which means the Wasong 15 is um, is their most current capable ICBM, North Korea, which has now been deemed to be more successful in its capabilities because they've been having a lot of trouble with stability and all that kind of stuff. But the Wasong 15 and they have a 600 millimeter multiple launch rocket system are both nuclear capable now. And it's key to note, they say, in this article from 1945.com, 
that the North Koreans have now successfully launched the Wasong-15 several times, which indicates that the weapon system is becoming far more reliable. I will also tell you this, that makes it an exportable commodity for uh, North Korea. They're going to find a way to sell this to somebody. Uh, Military.com has a piece pointing out that membership for Finland and Sweden is now top priority in NATO. NATO membership for Finland and Sweden. By the way, Russia hates this idea. Russia does not want to see Finland and Sweden join the NATO alliance. Um, NATO does. So it looks like it's going to happen. And there's been uh, some um, you know, disagreement among members at some point. But I think that's all going by the wayside as Russia continues to overreach in its war in Ukraine. I got a caller online. Is that Sparky? Sparky from Harvest. How you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm good. Great to show you and you and Boomer. Thank you, bud. I really just called to say hi, and uh, I, I had a thought today, and we've heard it many times, but you were talking about stumbling Joe Biden, the Alzheimer's patient, earlier. And uh, I'm beginning to believe it's, it's absolutely true, the greatest insurance to— Joe Biden not getting kicked out of office, even by his own people. And clearly they have no intention of letting him run in 2024. Yeah. Is, is, uh, his, his, uh, gender politics, uh, gender identity vice president. She's such a complete screw up and, uh, and less, less capable than him. He's at least malleable and controllable by the people who are actually pulling the strings. But, uh, Man, what what a what a time we live in, huh? So you're so you're saying you think the insurance policy against having him thrown out of office early is her? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, she she embarrasses herself and her family name on a daily basis. So the, the, that they ever let her near an open microphone is 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 amazing, absolutely amazing to me. And I and I see the powers that be in the deep, horrible, filthy Washington swamp. They're going to let him finish out his term, even though the prosecution is definitely coming from Hunter Biden. Old Joe is going to be Teflon somehow, and they're going to let him finish out his term, and then they'll figure out what 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 gender, cisgender, identity politics candidate they want for 2024. It, but it is not going to be sleepy Joe Biden. Maybe Samuel Brenton will come back and run for office. Who knows? Sure, but, sure. But it's just, and then, and then, pray tell, what would he wear to the coronation? I need to. <laughs> He'd still yeah. uh, Sparky, appreciate you, man. Heading into the end of the break, so uh, thank you, brother. We'll appreciate you. We'll have you back on again sometime soon. Um, text lines as the music gets ready to play. I'll just tell you uh, uh, where else have I got Casey, uh, Casey Junebug. So Casey Junebug from Hartzell. Uh, says it completely blows my mind there would even be a discussion about punishment of crime in America. How far have we gotten? It's it's true. I mean, I, I agree. The fact that you have some folks that say, we just need to be not enforcing certain crimes. Well, if they're crimes, they're crimes. Kenny from Elkmont, Biden's policy is to buy votes with student loan forgiveness. Yes, he's tried it. I think the court's about to shut him down. Tyler from Huntsville, shouldn't a trip in Biden's world be part of woke world segment? <laughs> ah, and then Cynthia from Claiborne County. My parents always taught us there's consequences in doing wrong, but nowadays some people don't want to accept that. Yep, indeed. All right, coming back, the Grand Council with Jeff Poor, Dale Jackson, and myself. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
right side ruffians out there. You are listening to Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, we cover down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, we're going to the phones right now, bringing in two guys who've been doing this longer than I have. We do it every week. We call this thing the Grand Council, where three of us uh, conservative talk show hosts get on here and we opine and we ask each other questions and we just see where the conversation leads but I will call the roll before we go any further. So from uh, FM Talk 1065 down in Mobile, host of the Jeff Poor Show, also the executive editor of 1819 News. Jeff Poor, are you here? I am present. You are present. You sound like you're on a phone, my, my brother. You, you, you traveling today? Yeah, that's uh, the nature of the job, man. Well, all right. Proud to have you. All right, uh, switching over then. Let me go to uh, the host of the Dale Jackson Show, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, Cumulus Broadcasting's WVNN out of Huntsville, also writing for Yellowhammer News. Dale Jackson, is you here? All right. I pronounce a quorum. Boomer, hit it. Assemble the Grand Council. Ta-da. Ta-da, ta-da. All right. All right. You know the rules, fellas. We ask each other questions. We don't know the questions in advance. We see how we do. We sometimes agree, sometimes we don't, but we still love each other when it's done. Dale Jackson, you first. All right. Um, we're seeing uh, more instances of drag queens showing up in schools, even though drag queens will never show up in schools, you know, just like we're always told. And, and now you have Tennessee banning drag uh, as a performance in public with children present, which seems pretty reasonable uh, it's so reasonable that the media's response to this is yeah well you you wore a dress when you were in high school in a play gotcha so <laughs> here's my question is alabama going to go this route a side note have either of you ever worn a dress in public <laughs> i'm letting i'm letting jeff go first I've never tried to wear a dress or even when the, I wouldn't even know how to put it on. So get that out of the way. I mean, like, what can they do though? I, I guess if you start showing up and dra drag to school, what, where does, where do constitutional rights or, or code of conduct or, I mean, how does that, shouldn't it be up to the local schools? So that, that would be my response. I look at it, first of all, I don't even own a pink shirt, much less a dress. So there's that. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I look at it, and, and so I get, I get what, what Jeff just said, but, but I do think, though, that there is room for uh, this to be addressed, uh, no pun intended, but the, but to, because it's like the Supreme Court said with regards to pornography. You, sometimes you just have to say, I, I know it when I see it. It's wrong. It's lewd behavior. It's designed to entice children and with with overly sexualized, you know, hyper-sexualized behavior. Uh, it's just wrong. If somebody walks in, if a guy walks in wearing a dress, that's not a drag queen show. But if a guy walks in and starts performing some kind of striptease in the lobby, that's different. 
Uh, your own question, Dale. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that it would be a very smart thing for them to do. Uh, This thing is continuing to spiral out of control. Different states are coming up with different ways to react to it. And, you know, we we like to copy. Uh, We like to crib off of our neighbor's notes. Uh, I think we probably should. Because this is getting a little crazy. But but I'll, but I'll be honest with you. I think that there are some aspects of Alabama's uh, culture war laws that, that were out in front. Like, we're one of the first ones to have the uh, sure. protection of uh, children against transgender therapies. Uh, you know, we've got uh, other legislation that, that deals with things like uh, murder of a, mur- a pregnant woman is considered a double homicide. We've got several things out there that are what I call culture war laws that were first on the books. And so... Could be. Could hey, be. I wasn't criticizing. I was complimenting. Let's steal everything that works. Oh, That's what God. Jeff Poor does. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Jeff Poor, would you like to have the next question? Uh, Alex Murdoch trial. Uh, this is a serious question, but short. Why, why should I care? Why should anybody care? Why is it dominating the news coverage? I, I don't know that I have a good answer for this, but as I sit here in the studio you know, we have two screens up on the wall that have played this freaking trial nonstop. And I'm trying to figure out how did this become the news? This is not even a famous person like a, like a, you know, uh, uh, OJ Simpson trial. This is, there, there's no famous personalities involved. It's, it's sorted. It could definitely be the uh, storyline of a next Hallmark movie, but I, I, I still, I can't, I can't answer that. Uh, Jeff, Dale, your thoughts. Ratings. Ratings. Uh, I was speaking with Fox News' Todd Pyro. Uh, yesterday about this exact thing. I was like, God, you guys blew out all your highly rated daytime programming for this. And he's like, this does better. Really? So <laughs> I mean, people that's... are dialing in for this, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's a pretty interesting story. I mean, you got to admit, uh, the guy's a criminal, obviously. And, and his son, one of them got drunk and wrecked a boat and killed somebody. It's a giant mess. Uh, there's DUIs. He shot his wife and son. I mean, he's obviously guilty as hell. And, you know, this whole thing is, is salacious. And, and the, you got lawyers, and no offense to you, uh, Phil, uh, <laughs> acting like scumbags and basically throwing everything at the wall and hoping they get another O.J. Simpson situation. Why would I take offense at that? I'm not one of them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I guess. But I, I still look at it and think it's still being overhyped. I mean, it's is it a murder trial? Is it sorted? Is it full of all kinds of salacious details that, you know, make for – Good daytime TV, I guess. But I'm still trying to figure out why it has to dominate the news cycle. Um, so, I don't know. I, ratings, you said it. I guess that was it. All right, my question for you. Lori Lightfoot, the uh, high priestess of Chicago, lost her election last night. Um, and she, by the way, is the only mayoral uh, mayor in 40 years in Chicago not to win a re-election bid. Um, and she lost big. So is crime the new issue? Just like we saw Governor Yunkin win on school choice, has safe streets become the new issue that will change election cycles? Jeff Poor? I would say that, yeah, um, but let's look at Chicago. It's kind of an extreme circumstance. There's a little bit of this going on in other major American cities, but just the chaos there, the, what was the Magnificent Mile or whatever, and you know that this is not something you typically see in Chicago, but you see it in San Francisco and places like that. Uh, all elections are local. This is unusual for Chicago. This won't progressivism approach for public safety. So, uh, I, yeah, I do think it, it was the prevailing sentiment, but I'm not sure it translates to other elections around the country. All right. Dale, you thinking? What are you thinking? 
Well, I tend to agree. Uh, people are starting to see it. And, you know, it, like if I want to avoid crime in Huntsville, I can generally stay in certain places and not really have to worry all too much about it. Uh, when it starts to encroach on those areas, then people start to get uh, skittish about it. And when you're hearing about it on the Miracle Mile and you're hearing about it in Times Square, not that that's the safest place, but we all know that's heavily protected. You see things like a guy getting his brains blown out on Twitter yeah. uh, sitting on the ground in St. Louis. I mean, the whole thing, it just, yeah, it matters. People get skittish about it. And the people who say, oh, you go, defund the police. We don't need cops or jails. Those people just look silly. I, I, I'm going to disagree with Jeff on this. I, I think this is going to wind up being an issue that can transcend one locale. I think it's bigger than Chicago's mayoral election. I think you're going to see it more and more become a part of national politics. And you're going to see, I mean, right, right now you've got, a, you've got a Democrat congresswoman calling for something to happen to, to curb crime in D.C. because she got assaulted in her elevator. You've got Portland, as, as one article says, a shell of itself. San Francisco, you know, there's, there's this... The, the streets are just filled with feces and, and drug addicts. Uh, so I, I, I think it's going to wind up becoming bigger, and you're going to see it in more and more elections. And I'm wondering, and I might even throw this out there real quick as a, as a, as a quick, before we go to the break question, will this have any impact on Randall Woodfin since he presides over one of the most unsafe cities in the southeast? Dale, what do you think about that? I don't think so. No? Uh, I, I, think, I think that that's kind of baked into the cake, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Jeff, what do you think? No, I don't think so either. He's he's mayor and he's he got other things to run on that maybe Lori Lightfoot didn't have. All right. Fair enough. Got to go to a break. We'll do the break right now. We're with the Grand Council. Uh, Jeff Poor from FM Talk 106.5 and 1819 News. Dale Jackson from WVNN up in Huntsville and Yellowhammer News. And little old me, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Going back, back there onto the Grand Council with uh, Jeff Poor from the Jeff Poor Show on FM Talk 106.5 and Mobile, as well as being the executive editor of 1819 News, and Dale Jackson from 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN out of Huntsville, and also with Yellowhammer News and Little Old Me. So uh, back to the question lines. Dale, you're first in order. What you got? A big surplus, very exciting. Everyone's trying to figure out what they want to do with it. Give it back. Tax things. Okay, fine. What? Let's do it all. Savings account. Yeah, great. Awesome. What's going to actually happen here? I, I noticed Arthur Orr, uh, even the other day, was suggesting maybe some food tax changes and things like that. It, it seems to be moving in that direction. What do you think is going to happen at the end of this? Anything? Uh, Jeff, you've been hanging out at the State House most recently. What are you thinking? I, I think Orr will try. Uh, there does not seem to be an appetite for it, but what's interesting about Orr, I don't think he's going to try to just eliminate the income tax and the grocery tax all in one bite. I, I think he wants to, to he's looking at it from an incremental basis, which is better than anything else anybody's offering. they got to do some kind of rebate. There's no question about it. And they'll probably do some kind of savings account. I asked Orr the other day, I was like, 
how much saving? How many? How, what is a dollar amount? What is the right dollar amount in savings the state government needs for a rainy day? Can you can you prescribe a dollar amount? And they really have an answer, but it seems like that's all they want to do. I I don't know, but I think if you look at it, look at them to try something incrementally and see who opposes it will be real interesting as well. And that's the thing. I'll jump in there and say, see who opposes it. A lot of them are going to not want to be on the record. They're going to want to have money set aside for their rainy day, like you said, that has no dollar sign figure cap attached to it. They're going to, they're going to want to uh, have some pet projects that are going to fund governmental action or contractors. And then beyond that, there's a little bit left over, but if we do it, man, we'll be on the record. So don't make us go vote on it. And that drives me crazy. Right now, what I'm anticipating is what Jeff just said, too. I think they're going to wind up having some form of a mild rebate. I think they might take a stab at a grocery tax, but it, I don't know if it has legs. And, and it should because we've never had a better time. Your question, Dale, what do you think? Well, I, I think you're going to get a little mix of everything, too. It seems to be where this is all headed. There's been quite a shift on this uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, it seems like we're moving towards everyone gets a taste, and I think that's what it's going to be. Uh, uh. All right, Jeff, your question. What do you got next? Well, uh, is this is still the legislature, too. We're, we're what, two days away from the session. It's the first year of a quadrennium. I have no idea what they are going to do in these next few months. In Montgomery, other than they're on past budgets, share some ARPA money with one another and some argle bargle, probably about rural broadband or mental health or something. But, like, you remember a time when it's been this kind of cloudy and knowing what's coming up, and you were in the legislature, Senator. Do, 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 you, do you remember a time it just seems like the governor's quiet? It just doesn't seem to be a lot of action yet. Well, and that's, you bring up a great point. So I even asked uh, Boomer a minute ago before we started this segment, has he heard any news cycle that talks about where Kay Ivey is right now? I mean, I have seen nothing. I did a whole segment of the show yesterday called What Right Looks Like, and I focused on governors that get out in front and call for certain agendas and meet with their legislature and are very public about their stance on things. And we're not seeing, we're not seeing anything out of both the executive or legislative branch in terms of laying out a true agenda for next week. I imagine that Kay Ivey will do her State of the State address next week, like she usually does right before the session starts. But daggum, you think at some point she would at least say, here's what I'm standing for over the next couple of years. And I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I am, I'm seeing a, a nebulous kind of gray space right now where they have to meet, but let's not do too much. Let's save our powder, you know, for the next big fight on gambling a couple of years from now. It's um, called a tease. They're teasing think? it out. They're teasing it out. <laughs> we'll, we'll, watch the speech. She'll tell you. Watch out. So, okay, then just take it and run with it, Dale. So you think they're going to tease it out for us bit by bit? What kind of agenda is that? No, I, I don't know that. I'm just saying maybe that's what she's doing. She's saying you got to watch the speech to find out. you got to get those big ratings for Alabama Public Television. That's what they're, they're working on here. Uh, I, <laughs> well, I don't know the answer to the question, but I know she's given a speech, and, and she'll probably lay out what her agenda is. But you're right. To have absolutely no idea what it actually is before she says anything, it's it's, it's completely open. It could be yeah. anything. Let me let me let me go to Boyle Hat here. Maybe it's quiet on the home front for a reason. They're going to try something. Would it be Medicaid expansion? Would it be something like that? They don't want a bunch of airheaded talk show hosts talking about what they're trying to do, so they're going to pop it on us at the last minute. I mean, I don't I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I wouldn't rule it out, right? Well, okay, so uh, you make a great point. I've thought about this. Is is 
is you know no news bad news and 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 are we hearing nothing because they're about to launch something huge they don't want us to talk about but i don't think so because you can't keep that under wraps i think at this point it would have it would have been all over the place it would have been a social media thing there would have been you know uh, groups like the policy institute and 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 um uh, eagle forum would have caught wind and, and began to launch on something i think it just looks like probably one of the lamest sessions coming up that we've seen in a long time and uh and that's that's unfortunate um all right, last question. Let me let me jump out there with this. School choice, speaking of the legislative session. So yesterday we had uh, State Senator Stutz on my show. He is going to be sponsoring what's called the Price Act. It's a par- parents' rights. It's a full-on school choice act. He seems to believe that he's got momentum this year, uh, and, he, and he believes that the, the legislature is more primed than ever. We're also seeing other states like Arkansas and some others. It's, it's becoming a thing. Do you think we will see school choice in this legislative session, Dale Jackson? I think you'll see a, a pretty good conversation about it. I, I'm not sure they can get it done, uh, but this is uh, this is moving the football down the field a little bit. It's coming. It's coming, and they can either decide to, to, to do it over a bunch of different sessions uh, or they can just take a bite right now. They've never it's had coming. a safer time to do it if you get down to it. It polls extremely high. We have a Republican supermajority. And the governor and lieutenant governor already said they like it. And, and, and what's the point of not doing it at this point? What, what, what political cover are you looking for, if, if not now? Um, Jeff? It won't be Dr. Stutz and Ernie Yarbrough. It just won't be. That's not the two people you need carrying these bills in the respective chambers. And I, I don't know who it is, maybe a Dan Roberts type or somebody with a little more clout, but I just cannot imagine that uh, Larry Stutz and Ernie Arbor are going to be the guys that are going to get this pushed through. You don't have Adele Marsh. You don't I, – I, I, I don't know who the person is that has the political fortitude in this, in this legislature to get something like that done. Well, I mean, we'll see, fellas. But um, And I will differ with you to, to a degree. I've seen some amazing things happen with the guys you didn't expect to carry a bill. Um, and I've also seen it if, – if, if Ledbetter – as Speaker of the House wants to get behind this legislation, it'll happen no matter who carries it. Um, same would be true of Greg Reed there's, there's and, no and Schofield. There's, there's no reason. There's no reason that Nathaniel Ledbetter wants a school choice bill. There's no reason what? Say it again. To think that Nathaniel Ledbetter wants a school choice bill. Well, except that he said he does. I mean, he sat right here in my studio and said he's for it. But whether it's this bill or not, yeah, well, I don't know. Fair enough, but, but I guess it could be like charter school or something. But the, the school choice you and I are talking about, right? Yeah, that's 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 the question, brother. Yeah, the that's... real school choice bill is the one we're talking about. But I, I will also point back, and Jeff hates it when I do this. Uh, Andrew Sorrell, the the great uh, the great state auditor from the great state, the counter of desks. Now he had that constitutional carry bill, and everyone was like, "Who's this guy? He can't get this done." And it happened. oh yeah, great point, great point. All right, Dale Jackson wins. It wasn't his. It wasn't his. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. I appreciate you, both of you. Jeff Poor, FM Talk 1065, 1819 News. Dale Jackson, WVNN, Yellowhammer News, and me. Y'all have a great day. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We're going to be right back.
Hey, all you right-side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just Plain right. Hey, hey, we got a new advertiser on the show, by the way. Shout out to the Elm Foundation, E-L-M, the Elm Foundation. And and listen, they got a they're a very cool organization that I've really just been kind of come aware of lately, but they've been doing good work for years. So here's the deal: the Elm Foundation, they're a 501c3, and their focus is on ending poverty in the community, but not by handouts, it's by hand ups. They're 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 literally a faith-based nonprofit right here in North Alabama that does amazing work at providing opportunities for people, you know, helping them to get, you know, uh, education, job skills, uh, learn how to manage their finances, be a good steward of what they've been given. And, and the truth is this, they, they don't just help people, they also help other people to help people. I mean, the idea is they work themselves out of a job. They, they would love to not have to have a job. They're not trying to perpetuate themselves. What they're literally trying to do is help their community by giving people what it takes to succeed as opposed to just a handout and then we'll see you next week for the next handout. And that's just very cool. If you want to find out more about them, the Elm Foundation, E-L-M, they're based out of Huntsville. The Elm Foundation, their website is elmhsv.org. That's elmhsv.org, HSV being short for Huntsville. elmhsv.org. Check them out. Glad to have them on the team. Appreciate them advertising with Right Side Radio. All right, so my last dipper, dipper three. I'm hitting the triple, boom. I'm, I'm hitting, hitting the triple. Hitting the triple. Hitting the triple. Man. Putting them all three on base. So here's the deal. The ism schism, I call it. The ism schism. What in the world are you saying to me, Phil? So, so the ism schism is every, all God's children got to have themselves an ism, apparently. Everybody needs an ism. You know, if you don't succeed in life, it's got to be because of an ism. There's an ism at play here. Don't you know? It's about isms. Pray tell, what are isms? Well, there's racism, there's classism, there's ableism, there's sexism. What else is there? There's all kinds of isms. Everybody's got an ism. So <laughs> Lori Lightfoot, we mentioned earlier, she lost her mayoral race. The first mayor of Chicago to not win re-election in 40 years. And it's because she did a horrible job. I mean, let's just be honest. That's not, we're not making that up. She did a horrible job. She was a horrible mayor. She's kind of a horrible person in some ways. But Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is not blaming her job performance. Surely not. No. It was because of racism and sexism. Really? Pray tell, how can that be? Well, you know, she's quick to point out that Time Magazine, they did a whole, that whole cover feature on her predecessor, Mayor Rahm Emanuel, they put him on the cover. Rahm Emanuel, he got it. They would never do that. She says, I'm a black woman. Let's not forget some folks, frankly, don't support us in leadership roles. She's quick to point out she's the first black female lesbian mayor. She's got all the isms to work with now. How about no? No, Mayor Lightfoot, you just did a horrible job. It's not about your isms. You, you are a horrible mayor. Now, we want to say mayorism got you, voterism kicked in on you, maybe so. But you're not going to be able to blame this. No, 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 no. But yet liberals do this, y'all. Watch. 
All the isms create the schisms, is what I like to say. So everybody's got their isms. And I found this article from Medium.com. It was from two years ago, April of 2021. My word, the isms that are out there. So Medium.com had this article, says, simply explained the six main isms that plague our society today. (laughs) So, of course, you have racism, the belief that humans may be divided into separate and exclusive biological entities called races. Well, that... There are races. Now, is racism bad? Yeah, 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 it is. I'm not, I'm not saying racism doesn't exist, but I'm saying that it's not your excuse for every time you don't succeed. It's not. Maybe if you were arrested for doing a crime, it's because you broke the law. Maybe if you didn't get reelected as mayor of Chicago, it's because, I don't know, maybe you were a horrible mayor. But you've also got, according to this, systemic racism. Then you've got classism, classism. What's classism? Keeping the low, keeping the man down. That's what it is. The never-ending battle between the lower class versus the upper, the blue collar versus the white collar. It's a big problem. Systemic oppression of subordinated class groups to advantage and strengthen the dominant class groups. Oh, Lord. Classism. Classism. How about ableism? Remember, you know what ableism is? Have you ever heard of ableism? Ableism? I don't think I'd ever even heard of ableism until recently. Hmm. I'm taking that home as a no. Nope, I have no clue, so I'm just going to go. I don't even want to try. I, I, I don't blame you because they make up new isms all the time. So ableism <laughs> is a discrimination of and social presence against people with disabilities. Ableism. Why is that? I guess because they're disabled or is it because you're making them less able? I don't know. It says at its heart, ableism is rooted in the assumption that disabled people require fixing and it defines people by their disabilities. Let, let me ask you something. If you're a person in a wheelchair, you know, God bless you, but, but, but um, is everybody suspect because you didn't get the job you wanted? I, I, is, that, or is it possible, possible you weren't qualified? Is it possible you didn't get the job performance review you wanted because you didn't do as good a job as the other people on the rating scheme? I just What about heterosexism? Boomer heterosexism. Oh boy, you keep testing me over here. I know. <laughs> I'm, we're making up words as we go along, bro. I mean, I need to pull out that dictionary you have somewhere. I, it's, it's tucked away in the drawer over here. The the the, the lip speak dictionary. Yeah. yeah. Well, how about this? Heterosexism is considered discrimination or prejudice against gay people. However, when I turn the page, I see we also have cissexism. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> as, as we sit here, two cis white males. I was about to say, cis white males, right? Cis white males. <laughs> cis white males eating maple bacon donuts. That's Ooh. us. Cissexism. Okay, cissex, wait a minute. Aren't they the same thing? Discrimination or prejudice against gay people on the assumption that heterosexuality is the normal sexual orientation. <laughs> well, can I just go ahead and say that heterosexuality actually is the normal sexual orientation? It's what you were born with. And if you are gay, you are not in the majority. So that's just a fact. I mean, we're not, we're not arguing something that's not actually true. Um, gay people are not in the majority. So heterosexism is when you treat, you know, apparently homosexuals as if they are not in the majority. Well, they're, I'm sorry, they're just not. How about this, though? Cissexism is also a huge issue, it says, the discrimination against and oppression of transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conform. Is that not the same thing? So heterosexism and cissexism are different than actual sexism, but they are not the same as each other, even though I think they really are, but they both have their own place in this article. Just 
just so you know. Then there's sizeism. I'll leave that on the table. And then you got to look at it and go, wow, when does it stop? So everybody's got themselves an ism. All God's children need an ism. Let me just go ahead and have the grown-up conversation with you and say that if you suck as an employee, maybe you just sucked as an employee. <laughs> just Maybe. I just, I mean, could it be possible that your cake was not baked as well as the other person? Yes. Is that possible? If your feelings, you, if your feelings are hurt by that, <laughs> then perhaps you shouldn't have been in the working world in the first place. Got an article here from the Toronto Sun. A professor at the University of British Columbia, storyline dated yesterday, claims that those who don't wear masks are racist, ableist, and classist. All of it. You're all of it. Ableist, racist, and classist if you don't wear a mask. Her name is Dr. Amy Tan. Amy Tan is also, by the way, the director of teacher assessment and an anti-racism mentor. Never mind the fact that on her website, calling herself an advocate for health equity and an anti-racism educator, that she did add recently on her social media page that white people need to just get on board, stop speaking for and over BIPOC, learn your place, sit down, shut up, and listen to us. But she's, she doesn't have any issues. This is, this is not a thing. It's about racism, ableism, and classism. All God's children got to have themselves an ism. So how about, how about the common sense says, maybe, maybe the problem is you. It, it's possible that racism is, is at play, in the, and I know it is. It's, it's, it, racism still exists. It's possible that somebody might have said, I don't want to deal with the, the handicapped guy. That, that does happen. I get it. It's possible that someone looked at Lori Lightfoot and thought, she's a great mayor, but they voted her out because they're racist. But the reality is they're wrong. She was a horrible mayor. And you can't sit here and claim to be against racism while you're advocating racism in order to prove racism exists. But that's what's happening with this professor at British Columbia. I got some callers on the line. Let me do that real quick. I got about two minutes before we go to the commercial. So I'll take the first one, uh, line one, Jeff from Indiana. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Phil. The main word I see is a Darwinism. We need to let these people fail. <laughs> <laughs> Quit supporting all this stuff. Let nature take its course. <laughs> so, survival of the fittest is what you're telling me. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, I'm getting tired of supporting people who aren't smart enough to live on their own, <laughs> and I'm working 24/7 out here. So, well, yeah, I, I think that's that's what happened to Lori. Is uh, you know, I think Darwinism kind of took her because she she isn't smart enough to be a mayor. Po- political Darwinism, huh? Um, well, yes, exactly. So let me ask your opinion on this. I've got a story right here that I was going to hit next on Fox News. Um, ABC News and the New York Times rush to defend Fetterman and blame ableism for people criticizing him for running for office with stroke symptoms. Your thoughts, ableism or just common sense? Uh, well, it, it was just uh, the Democrat machine. I mean, uh, we don't care. That's how come, well, it, you know, Fetterman isn't too far behind Joe Biden, <laughs> if you think about it. Uh, I, I, I got I got news. Capacity. I'm not sure which one of those would win a chess match right now, but uh, but but yeah, I, 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 this is one of those things where I look at it and go, it's an ism according to them. But the truth is, it's just common sense. The guy was impaired, and he shouldn't have ever run for office, and now he's in the hospital suffering with mental health uh, issues. Well, um, there there is no such thing as common sense anymore. It's 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 very uncommon sense nowadays because. Uh, you know, you you look around and everything, and, and these people that believe the things that they do, you got to just tilt your head and think, 
Yeah, but really? Are you not, that stupid? <laughs> not, not on right, not on right side radio, where common sense is common every day. Hey, I got one more call, Jeff. I got to take for the break. Let me do that real quick. All right, see you, buddy. Have a good one, Phil. All right, Brian from Huntsville, online too. How you doing, bud? Uh, doing okay. And Jeff, uh, uh, beat me to the punch on 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 the multitude of things you've heard for Darwin this week. I was sitting there thinking all these isms that really do us wrong. Liberalism, progressivism, Bidenism, and then I thought that's a trifecta, but they're all the same, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> they might, they might be. Brian, got to run to a commercial, buddy. Appreciate you. Have, have, a, have a great Goodbye. day. Oh man! Well, as we're heading out to the commercial, let me just tell you, uh, ZLA Solutions is just kicking it right now. If you're looking for a job, go to their website, zlausa.com. At the same time, if you're an employer and you need people, you need to fill out the ranks of your workforce, and you're not looking for any isms, let me just say, ZLA Solutions, they they can help you with that. All the drug testing, the recruiting, the background checks, blue collar, white collar, no collar, it don't matter. Check them out. Their website is ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. And tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. All right, we'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Stay tuned. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Just love coffee cafe. All right, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. Just love coffee cafe. Let me suggest something to you. There's a lot of y'all out there that you you you, you do the kind of the, the business thing where you're – and I, I talk about just love coffee cafe in a variety of ways, but, but some of y'all – it's a business mode for you to go ahead and say, hey, I'll meet you somewhere for coffee so you can talk about that presentation, so you can talk about that thing, so whatever. Let me suggest to you, if you haven't done it before, you might want to consider Just Love Coffee Cafe's locations as a great spot to meet. you got the Wi-Fi capability. You've got award-winning coffees. you got cool environment. You've got the ability to sit there and hang out over in the corner tables if you want to. All of it is there. It's designed not just with great coffee and great food. It's designed with great atmosphere so you can have those coffee clatch meetings, you know, whether it be your small group from church or, you know, your, your friend's group that gets together once a week and swaps stories about the grandkids, or it can be for that matter, the business meeting and you're meeting a new client. Just love coffee cafe, two locations, Hughes road out in Madison, South Parkway in Huntsville. Let me just suggest to you, it's, it's a place, it's a place to go. So check it out and tell me by the way you heard about it on right side radio. All right, so the text lines went kaboom. I'm not sure I can possibly keep up. Uh, I'm looking around. Scott from Somerville, he did have a uh, great point. He said, um, what everybody's saying about VP Harris being why Biden will not be impeached is exactly what was said about Biden when Obama was president. Oh, that's a very prescient comment, Scott from Somerville. Um, so, so yeah, I got, I got folks that are just giving me all kinds of ism advice. Um, and, and let me just say, all the isms create the schism. So as a whole, the whole point of doing this was to talk about how silly it is, and it is. 
when you have that water cooler conversation with somebody tomorrow at the office or when you're talking to a friend at church or when, you know, somebody says, what do you think about this? Or you're on social media and you're thinking, how do I, how do I put this? Let me just suggest to you that, that the vast majority of claims of an ism are unfounded. Most of them are rooted in the fact that, you know, maybe, just maybe, there was something that just needed to be treated, you know, differently. And I don't mean that in a punitive way. What I'm saying is, like, for instance, story here from thehill.com. Sonny Hostin, who was one of the, uh, um, the co-hosts on ABC's The View, not known for its conservative viewpoints, is, is literally claiming that ageism is the reason why people talk about Biden's gaffes. No, we talk about them because they are Biden's gaffes. If the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, goes to the microphone and says something silly, and we call it out, it's not because he's 80 years old. It's because he went to the microphone and said something silly, and we called it out. And it deserves to be called out. And I don't mean like in a mocking way every time. You can just go ahead and look at it and go, hmm, oh boy, I ain't right. And by saying that, it does not mean ages. Well, Phil, you did say, oh boy. Okay. Okay. I'll give you that. But the reality is this. Some of this stuff is just common sense. If someone is arrested for breaking the law and their skin color happens to be different than the police officer, it may also be just because they were actually breaking the law. If someone is older and not able to walk up the steps to their airplane on a regular basis, it may be because they're older and not able to walk up to the airplane steps on a regular basis. If somebody makes a comment that obviously shows that they are physically or mentally impaired because they've had a stroke, and we point it out, the truth of the matter may just be that they're impaired because they had a stroke, and we're just pointing it out. You know why? Because grown-ups can have those conversations. And the vast majority of ism accusations wind up being people that take a juvenile approach to dialogue. How about this one? Redstate.com. Astrophysicist warns against exceptionalism, claims that's white supremacy. <laughs> what? So, a story that came out just about 30 days ago. In a blog post, the professor at the, uh, an astrophysicist actually, at the Colorado College, uh, at Colorado College, uh, claims that um, <laughs> remarks that relate to exceptionalism are often rooted in systemic racism and white supremacy. So basically, if you exceed in life, if you strive for the best, if you are pushing forward to, you know, free yourself of barriers, well, that in some way is an ism because they, they go on to say there's systemic racism, there's sexism, and there's all these things that are baked into science. And if you're exceeding, if your exceptionalism is on display, it may be because of racism, ableism, sexism, classism. What was the one boomer? Uh, Cisism. Cisism. As, as, as the cis white male sit here and eat maple bacon donuts and laugh about cisism. I got news. If you suck as an employee, you just suck as an employee. Don't try to blame it on an ism. Is there an ism in the world? Sure. Are there bad people that are sometimes in charge? Yes, there are. It does not mean you get a pass because you threw an ism on the end of your grievance. There. Wow. I took that one all the way to the wire. <laughs> all right, you guys. Bill Williams, 
Right Side Radio, just speaking truth to you. Boomer and I are back here tomorrow too. You guys have an amazing night. We'll see you then. Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.